Galatians, what a, what a powerful book. We have about two more weeks in it, and um, we're going to be in Galatians 5, verse 16. Uh, we didn't meet last week. We met last week. We didn't do this. Thank you all, by the way. Business meeting and the Lord's Supper went great last week. Business meeting, y'all, y'all were angels uh, compared to most Baptists. Uh, all Baptists are angels, but some more fallen than others. And having, you know, two weeks ago in the first part of chapter 5, talk about the danger of the law, you know, it's the whole thing, hopefully by now you got this, that you, if you add the law to grace, then you'll have no grace. You can't add law to salvation. And so verse 16, what, what, verse 16 kind of sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. Verse 17 and 18, there's an exhortation. Verse 19 and 21, he talks about the flesh, 22 through 23, the spirit, fruit of the spirit, then 24 through 26, is a summary. This is a well-known passage. It's probably the best-known passage in Galatians. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires or the lust of the flesh. Paul says, in light of all this now, walk. The idea of walking is to take a journey. And walking is a common metaphor used in the New Testament for the Christian life. It is a journey. It is a spiritual walk. It, it is something we do. I talk quite often about our, our, our spiritual journey that we take. And so, you know, in, in Psalm 1, you know, go back to the end. You know, bless the man, you know, walk in the way of the Lord. You know, walk, walk. It's this path that we travel. He says, walk by the Spirit. Now, the, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And when you're a father, you, this, this is written to Christians. It's not written to people who aren't Christians. People who aren't Christians can't walk by the Spirit. They need the Holy Spirit. They can't walk by the Holy Spirit. But when you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. We are filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit, having all, and we have all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to have. It's not like we have part of Him and we need more. We have all of Him. All, God, God is not divided up into fragments for us. We either have the Spirit or we don't. You either live by it or you don't. And he says, so walk by the Spirit. And you won't carry out the lust of the flesh. Now, the, the word not is a double negative in the Greek. Amen. I've said this many times. In the Greek, double negatives are so good. In English, they're not. And you know, I've told you this before. I used to say, ain't got no, and that's not good. But in Greek, it's great. And uh, I told somebody one time, my English teacher in high school owes me an apology. For not let, for giving me counting off for using a double negative because I was just doing Greek and she didn't know it. <laughs> but the idea of the of, of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the desire of the flesh, we we normally associate lust with with uh, sensual or sexual stuff, and it really not. It just means the desire, and the flesh is that. It's not just the, the fleshly things, the physical. It's just who you are. It's that the old sinful self. It's the desires of your life as someone who's in rebellion against God, whatever it may be. He's going to list those in just a minute, by the way. It's, it's whatever it is in your separation from God that consumes you and that you want. For me, it, it's, it, it's pride. You know, it, it's, it's a tendency to have a quick temper. I mean, it, it's amazing. And, and I do talk this all the time. David, I talk about this to my staff. Major things cannot bug me. And then one little thing can happen and like set me off. And today, you know, today I'm driving, I got my lane. This dude thinks he's going to come in front of me and, and cut me off. And I'm like, I'm in my, it ain't going to happen. And, that, and for that second, and, and trust me, and then accurate I got, and I can go fast. And I mean, boom, I'm there like, you ain't doing that. And, and you know what that was? 
that was the desire of the flesh, the pride, like, you not cut me off in that truck. And, you know, and the worst thing, I mean, I'll, never, I'll never forget the day, I don't even know what happened, a minivan passed me. And I just think of all the emotions in my life that came bubbling up. I think all the anger and resentment and pride of a minivan passing me. It was humiliating. So verse 17 is this exhortation. And he's talking about the flesh and the spirit. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh are in opposition to one another. Now, don't think of this as a contest between the flesh and the spirit, like they're two, two foes battling out. Now, these aren't, these aren't, you know, two sports teams battling out to who wins or, or two candidates battling out for an office. But it, the spirit and the flesh aren't equal but opposite. Okay? They're not even opposite. The, the, the spirit is totally in control. But what it means is this. When the spirit wants me to do something, when I'm being led by the spirit... The flesh opposes me. It does. Every, every Sunday and Wednesday, especially on Sunday, all week long, I say, Lord, do not let the devil come to church through me. Amen. Now, I don't want him coming through you either, but, you know, I can figure that part out. <laughs> but my, this is my fear, you know. My fear is my sinful nature. Something will happen. That's why sometimes you know, don't talk. I don't, so I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm afraid you're going to say something and upset me or something. No, it's not kidding. But I mean, so you don't want that. Because whenever the spirit is leading you, the fleshly nature battles that spirit. But here's the other thing. As a follower of Jesus, when you begin to follow your fleshly nature, the Holy Spirit is preventing you. You ever, you ever been in that place where there's that sin, you're contemplating, and you know you shouldn't do it, and you say, I know you shouldn't do this. You know why you know you shouldn't do it? Because the Holy Spirit is telling you that. Saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And then you do it anyway. Yeah. And so they're in opposition to one another. Now he says all this. So that you may not do the things you please. The word so that speaks is a is a is a phrase in the Greek, it's a hint of clause, but you don't care, it's just an important clause, that speaks of the result. The result of this battle is that you don't need to do the things you want to do, and the things you want to do, the things that you please, this dull sinful nature, the, the Holy Spirit is battling to keep you from resorting to that old way. He says in verse 18, though, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And that's, that, that's, that, that's a subtle verse that just gets slipped in there. Because this whole thing in Galatians is about the Judaizers, these false teachers, telling these Gentile believers, you've got to add circumcision and the Jewish law to Christianity or you're not truly a follower of Christ. And Paul, at the very beginning, remember the first thing he said is, he said, that's an anathema, that's a curse of God, that's, that's a lie. And he says, when you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Not, that doesn't mean we, can't, we shouldn't do the things, you know, all, all the good stuff we should do. I'm not saying that. It's just that's not, that's not what saves you. That's not your, that's not your guide. So here's, you know, I'm going to say this. Don't get bent out of shape when I say it. I'm going to say it again this Sunday. So hear me out. Don't get uptight now because some of you are going to get uptight when I say this. The Ten Commandments 
are not our guide. They were given 3,500 years ago to the Jews. And they couldn't follow it. And they were part of the 613 laws. And the time Jesus got here, who kept the law perfectly, he just said, let me narrow this down to two. Love God. Love others. And you know what he said? When he said that, this sums up all of the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament. He just summed it up. And it's not that we don't, you know, obviously we keep the Ten Commandments. I understand that. I get all that. But what he's saying is that's not our guide anymore. The Holy Spirit is our guide. That, that Spirit, and that's why, you know, we pray and we worship and we read Scripture so the Holy Spirit can guide us. Now, he's going to guide us not to worship false gods and idols and not to use the Lord's name in vain. He's not going to guide us not to keep the Sabbath because we don't keep the Sabbath. I've told you that before. We, we, we worship on the first day of the week. He's going to guide us not to commit, kill anybody or, or commit adultery. He's going to guide us to do all that stuff, not to do all those things. But we don't do that. But the reason we, we keep the Ten Commandments, you know why we keep the Ten Commandments? Because Jesus kept them. Not for salvation, it's just because they were all true stuff. Do you know why we read and love the Old Testament? Because Jesus loved the Old Testament. He quoted it. Paul quoted it. You know, when they wrote the New Testament, all the scriptures they quoted were from the Old Testament. That's why we, that's why it's important to us. But it's not the guide of our life. The guide of our life is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wrote the old, and he wrote the new. And he wrote that the new, that Jesus fulfilled the old so that we can, you know, focus and concentrate on the new. Think about it. If you want to know how to live the Christian life, you don't go to Chronicles. If you go to Chronicles to know how to live the Christian life, you're going to fail. Or you're going to come up with some crazy system of beliefs that don't make sense. Don't make no sense. That's a double negative. <laughs> so here's what he says. And he, and he, he talks about the difference between the flesh now and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, and I've said this before, and let me just say this. We'll go through this list quickly. Don't get bogged down in trying to break apart every single description. And try to get it to its finest moments. I know guys, pastors, who will come to these and they'll spend weeks going through the sins of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit and explain everything in detail, blah, 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 blah. You can read that and, and pretty much get the picture, right? And it is uh, what, 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 these, what lists are, especially when Paul writes them. They're meant to be comprehensive, not exhaustive. So I'm going to read about you know, sexual sin. It doesn't mention certain sexual sins. That doesn't mean they're okay. This is a comprehensive understanding. He's writing this thing, man. He's writing on the go. He's been led by the Spirit. He's writing. He's going. And so that's what he's doing. So he talks then from verse 19 through 21. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. The word evident in the New American Standard is the first word in Greek. It's emphatic. Evident is the actual deeds. And the word for deeds is the actual word for work, the energy. And then he gives this list and he breaks them down. It's really, he kind of breaks it down into four sections. 
The first three are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. That's basically sensual or fleshly sins, sins that deal with, you know, the sex or some perversion of. The word immorality is the single most basic word for sexual sin. It's translated so many different ways. It can be translated uh, uh, fornication or whatever. It's, it's the word pornaya. We get our word pornography basically from it. it the idea is evil. It's just evil is what it means. If it's evil directed from a, a sexual or fleshly pursuit. Impurity is being unclean. Sensuality is just a, a kind of a general term. So he's what he's saying. He's just saying, if you can think of it and it doesn't conform with the teachings of Jesus that a man and a wife, one man, you know, one man, that's it. It's a sin. <laughs> How do I put it? It's just, that's the way it is. But what if? Okay. No what ifs. From the old to the new. Guy, gal, they're married. You got each other. Nothing else. And that's just the way it is. Now, you, know, you can argue it. and You can um, debate it. and You can talk about the culture. And, all right, do all that you want. You're not going to find it here. So at the end of the day, I'm just going to defer to Paul or Jesus or John or Peter, whoever deals with it. I'll, just, I'll go with them. Do I listen to you or do I listen to the guy who wrote scripture under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Going to go with the other option. Just telling you. It's a better option for me. Then he talks about idolatry and sorcery. These are false religions. Idolatry was the paganism which the Galatians came from. Sorcery, you know, they would cast spells and all that. Don't, don't overdo Some of your versions may have witchcraft. Don't overdo it thinking that it's talking only about witchcraft and casting spells and going to the occult. He's just talking about anything other than following Jesus. Now, you know, witchcraft falls into that. I got you. But anything that's the opposite or anything that's not following Jesus is covered. Just pick one. Doesn't matter what it is. It's all of that. Then he just talks about attitudinal sins, you know. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. These are things against other people. <laughs> he get, this is the longest list. Because evidently, <laughs> it was a big problem. And, and he didn't want to leave any loopholes. So, get along with people. And if you can't get along with people, it's a problem. It probably fits in there. I do not see, though... That guy cutting me off today and what I did falling into that. So I'm going to clarify, I think I'm okay. But just to be sure, I asked forgiveness. And when he passed me, he, I think he forgave me. He was waving. I'm not sure what he was doing. <laughs> and then he talks about envy and drunkenness, carousing, just... It, it's just this wild partying atmosphere. It's not just about drinking. It's just about the atmosphere of I'm going to live my life and do my own thing. Kind of. Whatever it happens. It, it's coming from South Texas. It's kind of the good old boy syndrome. You know, I'm going to live my life the way I want. And he says, these things, I have, which I have forewarned you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice, those who do, the word practice is do, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me, the kingdom of God, salvation, so inherit, you know. So let me just, this is what's important. When I come to these passages, I've got to really help work through this. This is not saying that if you commit one of these sins, 
think there's like a at 16 or something like mentioned something like that that you're going to hell it's not saying that he's talking about the idea of practicing is the idea of committed to it's what you part of uh, a doctor has a practice a lawyer has a practice it's something they're committed to and so it is talking about a committed lifestyle that's in opposition to the lifestyle of the Spirit. This is just not part of the kingdom. So those people who want to live, and he talked, remember two weeks ago, he talked earlier about living with the, you know, the freedom. I can do whatever I want. I'm in Christ. I don't, I don't have to have the law. No. But that doesn't mean you can live however you want. The Spirit still constrains you. It's not the law that constrains you from living immorally. It's not the Ten Commandments that keep you from living that pagan life. It's the Holy Spirit. So just because you don't obligate to live under the law doesn't mean you're, you're free to live however you want. The Spirit constrains you. So if this is your life, if this is what you're committed to, you're not a follower of Jesus. It's not. Then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It is fruit. It's singular. It's one fruit. So here's what I want you to understand. He's not talking about nine separate characteristics of which you're good for four, okay on three, and two of them you stink at. He's talking about one character that describes you if you're a follower of Jesus. May not describe you perfectly. Okay. You may do better at certain aspects of that character than other things. Like back when I, uh, years and years ago, you know, played ball, football, as an offensive lineman, but undersized. Um, there were a lot of aspects of being an offensive lineman back then. And uh, there were some things I was really good at. Some things I wasn't as good at, but all of them I was responsible for. I was really good at holding. And uh, uh, leg whipping, which is not legal anymore, but, man, I was good at leg whipping. And if you don't even know what a leg whip is, just, I'll, I'll explain it to you some privately. And... Uh, you know, you look at a quarterback. A quarterback has to be able to do all sorts of things. To be able to take a snap, read defenses, all these things. He has to do all of them. He doesn't, quarterback, you can't just say, you know, let's pick Tom Brady because he's really good. You know, he doesn't just say, you know, I'm going to coach, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take the snap and I'm going to throw the ball. But if you need me to hand off to someone or scramble, I'm not doing that. You bring someone else in. No. Now, Tom Brady, no one will ever think he's very good at scrambling. I got that. He has to do everything. The fruit of the Spirit is the total package. You know, you know, get to pick them. Now, the first three kind of deal with God, love, joy, peace. You know, love, you know, I love the Father. I have joy. I have peace with God. They, they kind of describe that relationship. The next three kind of describe our relationship to other people. Patience, goodness, kindness. Patient with people. You know, you're kind, you're good. And then in the third, the next three kind of, 
force of gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We're gentle. We're, we're humble. We're, you know, we're, Jesus said, blessed are the, are the meek, the, the gentle, the, those that restrain themselves. That word gentle, that, that has the idea of just holding back from what all is within us. You know, like self-control is discipline and faithfulness. I mean, all of that describes us. Here's what he says. Against such as these, there is no law. Why would you want to live under the burden of the law when you live under the freedom of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Why would you want the other? Why? Miss, why do we keep tell? Why do we keep trying to make people do that? Let me see. Okay, they're not here. There's a guy. I don't think they're here. Are they choice? You check them. You don't see him. Look around. Okay, he knows it's him by now. So he keeps trying to convince me. I guess I never actually see it because Troy uh, deals with it. Whenever you see me chunk, I just give it to somebody else to read to see if I want to read it. And they'll tell me yes or no. If they tell me no, I don't read it. Sorry. I just, you know, Sunday morning, I don't want to read junk that, you know, you're going to insult me, insult me during the middle of the week. So, it's just, I'll tell you something. I learned from some wise guys, I mean, intelligent, wisdom. If you're going to have critics who aren't loving you and, and helpful, they're just criticizing you, get them out of your life. If you love me and want to criticize me, get in line behind my wife. But that's okay. So, it's all right. You need to do more of the law. You need to preach the law. You need to preach the law. Why do we want to take this terrible burden of the law and shackle people with it? Why don't we want to give them the freedom of the Holy Spirit. The law will never change your life. The Holy Spirit will. Now, sometimes I say Jesus will. Jesus working through the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, that fruit, there's no law against that. That's what we want. He says, verse 24, it summarizes. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. The word crucified is the word for which you get crossed. John R. W. Stott, brilliant, gone to be with Jesus. Probably the most influential scholar of the generation I came from. Pastor, scholar, just wrote these unbelievable books, says crucifixion was pitiless, painful, and decisive. We took the flesh, and Jesus Christ crucified it. We crucified it through Christ. We crucified the flesh without pity. It was painful in the process, because it's hard to do, but it was decisive. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow me. Take up your cross was to die. You take the old self, 
and you crucify it. If we live by the Spirit, if is a conditional sentence, means sin. Since we live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. That's the way we walk our lives. And then he says this. No, by the way, because he understands the human heart. You know, you know, understand the human heart. You're over here living by the law. You added works to grace. I'm over here living by the Spirit. I'm such a better Christian than you. Doing it right. Let us not become boastful. Challenging one another. Envying one another. Don't let that foolish pride get the best of you. So that you start fighting amongst yourselves. And when you do that, just envy. And with envy comes bitterness and resentment. You ever been in a church where that existed? Oh, man. Church Debbie and I grew up with in I've shared with you before, it went through a split when we were about 16. And and the result of that was just so much bitterness. Because the church fought. And actually, I remember two brothers. One went to one, one stayed at at Park Hills and one went to Churchill Baptist. The split. And they, they never spoke for years. Brothers. But when you live by the Spirit and you love one another, that never happens. So here's the thing. That's true today as much as it was in 49 A.D. when Paul wrote it. It hadn't gone away. And that's how we live our life. That's, that's our desire. should be the passion. Or one of our passions. Live by the Spirit. So, when you go and you start looking at those nine things and you start checking them out in a way in which you do good and which you do bad at, just remember, the whole thing needs to describe you. Doesn't mean you don't work on a few. I got you. I, 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 some of that, I work on that patience a little bit. But that ought to be you. Somehow. Some way. Anybody got any uh, questions? We got a couple minutes you want to ask. Yes, sir. Well, so tenses in English and in Greek don't carry the same weight. So when it says you have been, cru- or those who have crucified, it actually speaks of a, a decisive moment in your life when you made a decision. The results of that decision linger, linger on. So in a mo- there was a time that I married my wife. I am continually married to her. The results of that linger. Well, linger is not the right word. It continues. <laughs> in the Greek, the concept is lingering. In, 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 in marriage, the concept is joy, joyously going on. With, 
It, but it speaks of a definitive point when you crucify that you can look back to and the results linger and continue on. What else? Okay, we'll see you later. <laughs>